holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers. At Metro, the best deal in wireless is on. Switch to Metro and get one full Amazon Prime membership included every month. Plus, get two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens. All with two lines for just 90 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires porting of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. This week in Formula One, Ferrari driver Charles Leclerc experiences the graziest of all ragazzis. Meanwhile, Sebastian Vettel experiences the grandeest of Mamma Mia's. Meanwhile, notable underdog Lewis Hamilton claws his way onto the podium. Is that enough for the young gun to stave off irrelevancy and make a shot at the World Drivers' Championship? Who knows? No, yes, he will. Yes. You're you're undermining this cold open. I know, but <laughs> yeah, there's no suspense to that. Yes. In other news. <laughs> in, in other news. In other news, a bunch of multi-million dollar engineers figure out a way to go home from a qualification session about a minute and a half early. This and more on the formation lap. <laughs> this is the formation lap. Welcome, everybody, to the Formation Lap. A grazie ragazzi to you after the Italian GP at Monza as I wildly gesture my hands. That was really, I mean, like, I joke about it. That was actually a pretty fun celebration of, like, Italy that this week. It was really fun. It, the Tafosi were out in force. Good oh Lord. Goodness. Yeah, no, no, like, other gathering at a, at a racetrack is ever that intense. It, I can't remember what the crowd estimates were. But they were insane. And, you know, they had the gigantic Ferrari flags out, their first win since, what, 08 or so, 08, 09, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Alonzo, it's just, it was such a cool display um, with what was uh, a, a weekend filled with, no other word, shenanigans. Oh, there's so many shenanigans. First, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Luke. I'm Tim. And this is the Formation Lap. We have terrible news. We are no longer available on the Jeremy Renner app as the Jeremy Renner app has has shut down. So this is the only podcast in existence exclusively, exclusive only in 20-second bursts on the TikTok app. So thank you, everybody, for your support. And uh, please click the next one to hear what we have to say after these 20 seconds. But but did did Hawkeye say goodbye? The dude from... uh, the Born Ultimatums, or was it the Born Legacy? Legacy so goodbye. Right. Yeah. Oh gotcha. <laughs> it was gotcha. that Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> One and done. Anyway, but uh, yeah. So Italy, you know, I found myself. Um, first off, let's start off. We're seven for seven. F one seven for seven. Which it's it's been a really great run that they've been on, and it's it's got. This season, as we go on, is is evolving from you know storylines that we saw earlier so Charles Leclerc this weekend put some moves that were clearly okay with the stewards in Hungary and Mm -hmm. in Austria 
And, uh, you know, it's all fallout again from the Sebastian Vettel uh bit in Montreal it's just been a it's been a an evolution for both the stewards the the drivers the teams it's been a really it's been a really cool stretch that we've been on of incredibly good racing um as well as uh just a lot of fun to be like oh now what are they gonna do they're getting their nose rubbed in it (laughs) you know Charles Leclerc literally took them by the collar and made them sniff their own uh mess that they made (laughs) and you know it was a lot of fun to see um but you have you have storylines coming out everywhere you've got um you know the the turmoil at ferrari with are they going to be okay this year are they going to pull anything out Mm -hmm. to oh wow is is charles leclerc going to take his you know foot off of sebastian vettel's throat good lord um, to, you know, is Botas going to be there? Is he not? To what, what is Renault doing? Renault had a really good weekend. They did. They did. I, and that's... so it's just, there's so much chalk so full and you had stuff from, you know, practice to, I think the bigger story, which is qualifying was set up for just a crazy race on, on Sunday. So let's, let's start, uh, with the qualifying because that was this actually, it's funny that this happens and F1 fans see this because this happened in NASCAR this year at Fontana, where everybody wanted a tow and nobody got a qualifying time. This year, the, the, it's funny that this happens in, in in Formula One because I feel like you want to think of uh, you think of yourselves and rightfully so to an extent that the pinnacle of racing, right? It doesn't get more expensive or glamorous than this. And then you have a bunch of multi million dollar <laughs> engineers be like, "Nah, let's you know, let, let, let's let's wait too long," or let's it was. It was a disaster. They all tried to get inside each other's heads and tried to not give the other the advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really it was really fun to see. <laughs> it, was really- it was like, oh no, now they've all completely biffed this. <laughs> it's just going to be terrible. And you know, I it kind of goes back to last week. I think it was Hulkenberg again who didn't want to give a toe at Spa. And so he didn't. He just kind of laid back. So everybody started doing that. And, you know, like Stroll was one of the more egregious because he kind of put the brakes on mid mid that first chicane. It was like, oh, yikes, Lance. Um, you know, and Lance, who also made a uh, boneheaded move the next day in the race itself, but nobody wanted to give the other a toe. Uh, Charles specifically you know, didn't want to give Seb a toe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't, I don't really know what the inner team ter- uh, politics are of that, but I thought that was interesting that the uh, new driver to the team would say no to the four-time world champion and be like, <laughs> yeah, nah, bro, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So let, so obviously uh, we'll break down the, the last lap a little bit here. Uh, nobody wants to do anything. Uh, Hulkenberg's going slow. Hulkenberg was interesting to me because he very obviously faked going into the tor- turn one chicane. He was doing about 30 miles an hour and locked up and went around. Yeah, sure you did, Nico. I'm, I'm sure. sure you did. And it's the only time I've ever seen an entire lap under investigation by the stewards. Yeah, I'm, and rightly so, because <laughs> what on earth happened? But it was awesome because... and. I agree with Lando Norris. I thought it was the greatest qualifying of the year. <laughs> it was. I, I will. I will agree with that. Unironically, this year, obviously, qualifying is sometimes even more fun than the race to watch because qualifying is very tense. It, the format that they have is so TV centric, where it's here's build up, payoff, build up, payoff, build up, ultimate payoff. It's like a well paced TV show. 
But ultimately, every once in a while, you need an episode where you just go, what? <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. You need you need something that just changes it up so dramatically that you're like, what what are we what are we even doing here, boys? You know, like And you know, you had everybody uh, on the radios, you know, saying things like, oh, Hulkenberg's going to try to be tricky because they're expecting it from last week in Spa. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, he might try to pull something. Oh, no. And then the everybody's on the radio. Oh, wait, guys, we can't hang back this much. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. Go, 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 go. And then it just didn't work out. And so at the end, you had a result where nobody banged in a really good fast lap. And the starting grid was uh, from the first part of Q3. So, um, you know, you had uh, Leclerc on pole, you had Hamilton in second, and you had Botas in third, um, you know, and that was your starting grid from there, and Vettel uh, tailed up behind him. Um, and that set the stage for what was honestly an amazing Italian Grand Prix where it wasn't as much, okay, yes, there was some crashy, crashy knucklehead stuff, but there was also some high-end duels. Mm-hmm. For every for every Charles Leclerc question of, oh, is this correct, is this correct, you also had a, a Lewis Hamilton making a charge, a Valtteri Bottas making a charge. You had a legitimate almost entire race fight for first place. Granted, they never completed the fight. It, it never actually changed hands, but... What else can you ask for? It was a, it was a fight. Well, it the, the fight was complete. Charles won. Right. That's just all that that's all that was was mm-hmm. you know you had Mercedes the dominant team, and granted, Italy wasn't ever going to be their strongest track. It's a power circuit. No, there's no um, there's no medium speed there's no medium speed corners. There's long medium speed right, corners. There's yeah. parabolica. There's curva grande. But other but curva grande, you're on the throttle the whole time. It's basically slow down, rotate car, and gun it. Slow down, rotate, gun it. There's no, uh, even even Lesmo, which is just a two 90-degree corner, doesn't play to Mercedes' strengths. So it's never going to be their race. Right. Whereas, you know, a track like we have next, Singapore, everything's going to shake back out and Mm -hmm. be like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, But with, with Monza, it's it plays more toward the power of the Ferrari power unit, mm-hmm. not to belabor that word, um, and the fact that you know uh, the Ferrari can get that down pretty well. So, like out of Parabolica, I had to watch. But um, you know, Charles took an, an interesting line out of Parabolica. He always seemed to be just a little bit more outside the track limits. I noticed than, that as well. He seemed Lewis. to push that that track limit quite a bit. He really did that final turn out of Parabolica. He really pushed that limit. And he got an amazing launch out of the corner almost every single lap. Um, but it was interesting to see that Mercedes couldn't get on top of the you know second year driver. He he handled himself well uh, in the race. He drove to the to the limits of the rules that the stewards had made precedence for in the previous races, mm-hmm. and it made Lewis chirp quite a bit and say, "Oh, this is dangerous driving." Well. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, All right, so let's break them down team by team. We'll start with what we have been talking about, Ferrari. Ferrari, Ferrari the graziest of ragazzis, but also the a, grandest, mamma mia. Yeah, it was it was kind of a, a weird result for them this weekend. It really was. Um, I, I think, let's start with uh, Sebastian Vettel. We've talked about Charles Leclerc. Let's start with Sebastian Vettel. Um, low point of his season, but he seemed in qualifying to be set up for maybe the strongest point of the last couple of years. He's qualified P4, but you you mentioned this earlier. Charles Leclerc refused to give him a toe during the 
qualifications. So that was a toeless P4. If he had a toe, he might have knocked off. I, I, he probably could, would have put it on pole. Yeah. It's Seb for crying out loud. He's going to put that on pole if the team, if his teammate, you know, extends to him the same courtesy. Right. Which was agreed upon and then violated. So, Well, it, it speaks a little something to the fact I think Charles knows now. Charles knows he's in charge uh, of Ferrari. And I think he knew that last week. And, and that, that kind of set it forth. And I think now this week kind of uh, – I heard this take in the park for me. This told the Tifosi and the Tifosi are now – Charles is in charge, no pun intended, of of Ferrari, right? Like yeah. it, it – to me, this is him um, asserting his – his way on the team and going, no, 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 no. Okay. We're on the number one driver. Look at me. I'm your captain now. Right. So I think that was, it, it was a little selfish of him, but I also think that like that was him uh, maybe testing the waters of going full Schumacher or Hamilton, so to speak. Right. Or Alonzo or Alonzo. Exactly. That, to me, it's much more of like an Alonzo esque move. Um, not do the toe or to, I don't know, at McLaren take the, uh, the pit stop for a little too long and then make sure that Lewis can't get back out uh, mm-hmm. to qualify. So it was, it was a lot more Alonzo esque to me from where I was sitting, which can kind of be a bummer because he it's dangerously close to hurting morale in the team, you know, or at least it has been with that historical precedence, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, it's, he's clearly in Seb's head. Um, and that's- Seb needs, Seb desperately needs that confidence back where he, you know, had that swagger to switch the numbers in Canada, you know, it he needs that level of I'm here, mm-hmm. um, I can assert my dominance whenever I want kind of stuff. It that's that's exactly what he didn't get. And this is why I think this was maybe the low point of the season because there was a little to be said for I certainly did have some swagger in Canada, but it got taken away from me. Yeah. Whereas this week he just he biffed it. There's no other way to say it. He biffed it. In the race. Now, in the in the qualifying, he looked properly quick. Mm-hmm. He looked really, really good. And for the second year in a row, you know, last year he gave Kimmy the toe, and Kimmy set the fastest F1 lap ever. And then yesterday, or not yesterday, good Lord, the day before the uh, the race, same things happened with Charles, only he doesn't get that uh, courtesy extended to him where he gets the toe. So it's like... Mm-hmm. What does the guy have to do to get a fair shake at, at Monza? Yeah, no kid. Well, I think Monza is because of the pressure put on Ferrari specifically there, it becomes not it's a completely different animal. Right. It the team functions differently at Monza because I think that there's this chase for glory for the team, but for the drivers, the only thing you care about is that you stand on the podium when the Tifosi, you know, come out in full force and your opponent be damned. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it it magnifies any small competition within the drivers for, and there's no other trail that does it quite like Monza does to Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Right. It it it's almost like it's an entirely different team with the same basic setup when it comes to Monza. Yeah. There's just everything works differently. The chain of command has to break down. The chain of courtesy breaks down. Because it's all you care about because there's that much extra pressure. So Sebastian Vettel, during the race, uh, let's talk about this this spin on lap six. It was unforced. Yep. And he rejoined. no one near him. No one near him. And he was running. Yeah, he was running, I think, P4 at the time. He was. He had lost a position to Hulkenberg. And then he reclaimed it. 
uh, lap three. So it was like almost immediate or lap two. One one lap is when he reclaimed that. And then, um, yeah, going into uh, that complex, he just lost it, lost the back end. He put the power down and the back end went out. And then he rejoined the track in an unsafe manner. Yeah, he definitely did. I think there's something to be said where I this happened in Canada too, where um funny enough, it was the exact same penalty applied in Canada to, to, to here. But I think it when you look at Canada, there was a lot to be made about how you can't really turn your head in an F one car. It wasn't at the same rule that they pointed to, but not the same penalty. I think he got so. a ten second stop go penalty in in uh in Monza, but he got a five second penalty tacked onto the end the end of the race of the race yeah. at at Canada, so but it's I, not the same penalty, penalty. but it's, it's the, the same rule. It's the same rule that they point at. Yeah, but uh, to me, this really this is the ultimate in. Hey, this is what this rule's for. This is the ultimate example of what this rule is about. Is yeah. is this was a very clear rejoin the track in a terrible way situation. You are into stroll, but <laughs> stroll infamously <laughs> immediately <laughs> like an idiot. He comes over, <laughs> comes over and. <laughs> He, he rejoined the track. Like I, yeah, I saw this meme uh, on Reddit earlier today where he, he says, oh, he rejoined the track like an idiot His, uh, over the radio. And the engineer says, what did he do? And Stroll says, hang on, let me show you. And he goes <laughs> right back into Gasly. It's just like, oh. Mm. You know, yeah. And I'm I'm confused. Did... Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Stroll get the same penalty? Stroll got the Stroll got okay, a, a Stroll got a smaller penalty. I think it was a five second hold. Why? Uh, because he did the same thing. I think the feeling is that is that that would not have happened had Vettel previously did it to him. But the nature of what he did was the same. I'm not disagreeing. I I think those are two independent events. I know yeah. that he was off track because of Sebastian Vettel's move. But Sebastian's Vettel move did not affect him rejoining the track in an unsafe manner. Dear stewards, yeah, you're killing me. You're killing me, stewards. But you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of blame to Sebel, right? Uh, Sebel, Vettel to Sebel, Sebel to Sebel. Vettel, rightfully so. Sebel the pebble. But uh, that's that's our new nickname. But uh, I think <laughs> Seb the pebble. Uh, the pebble. Um, I like Colton Wong too much to do that to him. Uh. But anyway, but I think rightfully so there's a lot of blame to to Seb, but I think it's a little overblown because I don't think you can really see around that corner at the angle he's sitting at with the way you can turn your head in those cars. I don't think you can do it all that much. And you're basically, if he's not in your mirror, how do you, how are you going to know anything? And my flip side to that argument is it's Ferrari. You have spotters all over that track. Mm. You've spun. You're a four-time world champion. You know it. Yeah. So that was just a boneheaded, knucklehead move. And he needed to say, I need to know when I'm good to come back on track. He And he panicked, thought, oh, my God, it's it, this can't happen. I need to get back on track. And he put his you know foot in the loud pedal and went. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, it just – Seb – and, you know, correct me if you disagree, but he's a very emotional driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he panics, he panics. And he makes boneheaded decisions, um, like rejoining in an unsafe manner because he feels the pressure to perform. Um, so, you know, with with that being said, um, you know, it's like at what point or what needs to happen for that pressure to be lifted off of Seb so he can drive like – 
Seb. Right. Um, and, you know, it's like, will that happen at Ferrari? I don't, I don't agree with, you know, people saying, oh, he's done, he's done. I think there's something wrong. And it feels like there's extra pressure and there's something going on where he's consistently unhappy mm-hmm. um, and consistently uncomfortable. Yeah. And if he's uncomfortable and unhappy, he's not going to perform. My question is why, if you're Seb and you know that that's an issue, that there is something wrong with the pressure and something you know that you panic a little bit, why are you going to Ferrari? Where even though you raced, you know, drivers' championships in in Red Bull, Ferrari, Ferrari finishing more pressures than Hamilton finishing first place. Ferrari has maybe he didn't realize it, but I think he should now that. Dude, you set yourself up for this. If you're a panicker and you can't don't react to that specific kind of pressure well, you will not find a more pressure cooker type of a team than Ferrari. I think it, it I would agree, and I, I think it's something that Ferrari always knows and they're always trying to fix, but I just think the inherent nature of that team is we apply a lot of extra pressure on our drivers, their team on the grid, grid, right? The greed, the greed. I yes. can't speak today. My <laughs> word. So, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think that Seb's awareness of this as an issue may be debatable. Where you know, at Red Bull, he was never like put under that much internal pressure. Mm-hmm. So, like when he already probably had a foot out the door when. Um, Ricardo came in and started wing him. Um, so, you know, and he went to Ferrari where probably promises were made as, you know, the anointed one from Schumacher and Ferrari needed to return to form and we need someone like Seb. So promises were probably made. You'll be this. There were uh, comforts guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You'll be the number one driver. We won't contest that. Blah, blah, blah. Um and again, this is just probably is my estimation, but his performances initially at Ferrari and for the last few years have been pretty consistent. He's won three to five races or so, you know, on a on a tr- on the trot, save for like one year at Ferrari. But then this year and then the end of last year, something is in his head where it's causing him to spin, make unforced errors, and do things that you would not expect out of an, even an F2 driver, much less a four-time world champion. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that, you know, these people are saying that he's lost it, he needs to retire, are, are being very reasonable. Um, yeah, I, there's a, there, there are, I would wager, probably 15 drivers on the F1 grid that would that put under the Ferrari pressure. Would crack like eggs. Would crack like eggs, and everybody would be like, they need to retire. Yeah. Freaking Carlos Sainz might do that. And do we think Carlos Sainz needs to retire? No. No, because he's a smooth operator. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I uh, I don't know. I just I want to see, like, Canada Seb back. An older, more seasoned, more grizzled, but ready to duke it out with the best of them, Seb. The guy who can sit in the car... And argue his words while holding off Hamilton <laughs> in Canada. That I want that guy back, um, but I, I don't know where he's at. I don't know. I think I think as we go, I the one thing I know is that when this Ferrari Seb marriage ends, and I'm not saying when I say it will, I just mean inevitably. Right? Ferrari is eventually going to get another driver. 
Um, whether that's next year, whether that's ten years from now, so be it. I think you're going to find a lot of a, a lot of interesting things where Seb is where Seb talks about his mental state, and I think we'll find that he wasn't all uh, wasn't handling it healthily, shall we say, um, in a way where it didn't affect his performance. I think this is going to be one of those interesting things. We might see this come drive to survive next year. Cannot wait. Oh, man. Can you imagine? It's going to be insane. It's going to be wild. So and let's... Mercedes and Ferrari are participating this year. <laughs> so... Remember the one race Mercedes signed up for was Germany. so let's uh let's move on to charles leclerc the other ferrari driver the graziest of ragazzis i don't know what those words mean i think it means thank you very much but i I don't speak italian so i'm just gonna say that that was a good race we apologize to all of our italian listeners hey you know what you know what's funny was i was actually out on the hill on sunday on race day and i saw a lot of people wearing ferrari dish yeah (laughs) i i will reverse that ish I was so gonna I say, can, yeah. That's going to come out in the edit, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So what I'll do when I say ish is I will hi- – this is all going in, by the way – is I will <laughs> highlight the ish, and then uh, there's a little button called reverse uh, on uh, on the options. You can edit and you can reverse it, and it'll just sound like ish. Wicked, 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 wicked. Yeah, all that's right. right. I'm, a, I'm a smooth DJ. Anyway, Charles LeClaire. <laughs> what just what a weekend he he fought off Lewis Hamilton within the new 2019 rules uh, that the stewards have put mm-hmm. forth. So he he stayed in those barriers and Lewis didn't like it one bit. Lewis didn't like it one bit, but neither did Charles when it happened at Austria. Yeah, and there there's a look there's a picture somewhere of Max being looked at by Charles and Charles having that look of I'm going to remember this yeah. and I'm going to remind you of this soon. Well, he said post Austria, he goes, if that's the way we're going to race, then I'll remember that. Exactly. And, and then, he did. And he did. <laughs> and then Lewis, who comes over the radio and it's like, oh, my God, these young guys just get away with so much. Lewis also probably is going to pull something very similar very soon. Uh-huh. And I'm excited, you know, because that's that's a that's a grizzled veteran who knows uh, to adapt. And he's been at the front so long he hasn't had to adapt that way. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be it's going to be awesome. One of the things I really liked was uh, one that the stewards stayed out of it, but two that um, there's forced for once to apply consistency to their rules because Charles has forced their hand, right? But by a, being consistent and by showing your hand, which is that our hands are tied, we can't do anything, I think you get more desirable outcomes than if you litigated the the end of the race. I don't want the Austria where it's three hours to decide who wins the race. Right. I don't want— It's being decided by someone other than the people on the track. Right. The, and that's just— that is so antithetical to racing. Right. It's insane. Racing is the easiest sport on earth to understand. You you go the distance fastest, you win, right? 99% of the time that holds true, but F1 doesn't need that 1% of the time ever, right? Like F1 shouldn't need that 1% of the time Instead, in, besides some crazy cases. So any time that you can make it hands simpler, off. hands As off. As the French right. say, laissez um, but uh, no, I, I completely agree, and I thought you know the the elbows out racing was awesome. Um, you know, you had 
some interesting <laughs> dives by Lewis into the chicane <laughs> yes. where he almost gets there, but not quite. And, you know, uh, Charles sticks him for it. And then uh, into that, into the first turn where uh, he could, Botas yeah. tried to get him mm-hmm. after uh, Lewis had to go the escape route. Yeah. Uh, escape route. But it, it to me was really, really awesome. It spoke a lot to Charles, not only keeping his head about him, mm-hmm. which, by the way, second year driver holding off two grizzled veterans <laughs> yeah. who were used to winning and yeah. have cars arguably superior to yours what yeah. that was awesome yeah you know seeing him seeing the the young buck hold off uh the old hunting dogs was so cool um you know and it was just a really 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 great weekend uh for charles oh on the whole not only for the you know every step of the race mm-hmm. but for his standing in ferrari for his standing with the ferrari fans i mean he'll never have to pay for another drink in italy again if he did if he did already <laughs> exactly that's never gonna happen so you know it was it was a really great weekend from his side of the garage i i thought it was a great weekend i really liked it i because at the end of the day f1 it, all of sports are entertainment products right we aren't yeah. Don't pres- you know, the reason they exist is to entertain us, right? And the reason certain sports die out is because they're boring, right? You want the next sport, you want a sport that's entertaining, and that's what we got. Whatever it is, when it's laissez-faire, the outcome is is more inter- is more exciting from a viewership standpoint than watching an extra three hours of litigation and penalties being handed out. And trying to listen to Martin Brundle explain how the litigation is going to come. If I wanted to watch litigation, I'd watch a courtroom drama. Which we already have too many of those. <laughs> like, come on. But uh, I I thought this weekend, and you can trash the penalties and this and that all you want, was brilliantly entertaining. And I was sitting at a rained out drag strip. And it was, it was I mean, I was fist pumping and going, yeah, because I'm not even a... a a Ferrari fan, all right? I'm a Haas fan, so, I mean, there's a little bit there. But I'm not a Ferrari fan, but you kind of respect how cool it is to see the Ferrari win at Monza. It's just, it's a special thing. It's a very special thing. And, you know, seeing probably just how much it means to the team right now mm-hmm. after such a such a downtrodden season, yes. Yep. 100% yes. So that was the first victory since 2010 at Monza for Ferrari. The last one to do it. 2010, that was it. For, the last one to do it. Who was the last one to do it? Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso. I should Who won- also happened to be at the race. He pieced out before the uh, trophy presentation ceremony. because they Shocker. Were- <laughs> he was like, I ain't going to be here. Uh, but he was seeming a bit uh, coy. Yeah. What, did, did he seem coy to you? He, he seemed, seemed just, to just a hair. Yeah. More coy than the pond in my backyard. Which I will say I that. Think- which to me uh he's here all week folks tip your waitresses um to me i think it's another alonzo bluff i don't think any team is actively courting him right now no and he's that advisor capacity because he is contractually obligated obligated to mclaren so you know i i think he's just he's He's trying to play a hand that he doesn't have. Yeah. And, you know, seeing the F1 grid being so willing and able to put their faith into the younger drivers. This, again, I've said it all season. This young crop is just 
amazingly talented and there's no shortage of young bucks that can get it done and in a way that you can you know put out you know week in and week out and i i just don't see anybody trying to take a gamble on alonzo now mm-hmm. and i think that speaks a lot to not to the the the, uh, the lack of respect or the lack of talent he has but to the talent that is coming up right and so why take a year bet on him when you could why put you know all the money into albert pujols when you could have mike trout for less so or if you're the angels you can waste both your money and have both in josh hamilton and see how that works out for you but you know (laughs) (laughs) but you know not a knock on mike trout we love you albert pujols but come on that was that's that's a lot of money on one player that turned out to be a good contract um Anyway, anyway, uh, I think I think I would agree. Uh, Fernando Alonso, to me, um, I kind of think his plate's full already. I think his plate's full enough to where he likes it. I don't even think it's him. I, I, I think it's I think it's F one saying no. I I don't. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I think if Mercedes was like, "Hey, would you like to replace Lewis Hamilton next year?" He says yes, but that's because he's a race car driver. That's because everybody on Earth would be like, mm, "Sure," but I think they I, would go to. I think they would go to Max first. But you you know what I'm saying yeah, though no, is if the opportunity yeah. came for him to drive a winning car he'd take it, but I don't think he's all that upset with where he is now. Anyway, he's racing Dakar next year, which is takes an outrageous amount of prep and is just grueling and demanding. And I can't recommend it. Like how the more you look into that race, the more insane it is that people actually do it. Right? Um, if you if you crash and get injured. He, they kind of don't know where you are until somebody passes you. Yeah, there are no helicopters waiting nearby. No. <laughs> no. It's just over. It's like, hey, like, go do 600 kilometers in a, 900 kilometers in a day, and we'll register you when you get back. That's for sure. Yep. Um, so Dakar is crazy. Uh, IndyCar is going to have – or McLaren is going to have an IndyCar program. I'm not saying he's going to be a full-time driver, but McLaren has said that if they want – he wants to run the 500, which – don't lie to yourselves. He does. He absolutely does. He's chasing that triple crown. He will. So he's going to do Dakar next year. He'll be doing uh, the Indy 500 next year. Uh, I know he stepped down from the endurance racing, but that's no reason to suspect that he won't be doing, uh, at the very least, maybe a Le Mans run, maybe a uh, 24 hours of Daytona run. I, I think that he likes the flexibility of doing all these crazy other races that he doesn't have a chance to do if he was on the F1 calendar. I think I think I don't think he's as longing to join back as people want. If he was longing to join back, it, he would have found his way onto a, a Haas, onto a, a Force Racing India point. You know, <laughs> like he, he would have found his way back on somewhere. Probably, um, but I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I guess I don't miss him that much. Uh, on the grid. I don't I don't think I do either. You know, but, and then, you know, it's I just thought that was interesting that he was there. But yeah. um but you know, also, that though, was the last he was the last winner for yeah. Ferrari and I get it, but he was on the McLaren pit wall giving them advice probably. Yeah. Also to be said though is if you're a racer, there's not much happening this week. Where would you rather be on earth than if, if you had a week off? Even if there was stuff going on, right, why if, wouldn't you want to go see the Tifosi? Right if, right, if you had a week off, why wouldn't you want to go see the Monza GP yeah. where Ferrari is supposed to be really strong this year? I mean, that's just an experience in and of itself. Yeah. All right, so that's your uh, that's your that's your weekly uh that's your weekly Alonzo drama talk. And hey, that's Ferrari. So for this week as well. So, you know, hats off to them for having 
a split but overall positive weekend. Yeah. Uh, don't look for them to replicate success next weekend. Singapore is no. an entirely different track. There's no way. It, any quotes you've made about the death of Mercedes as we move on to them have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that says that Ferrari's on the, you know, on the downslope, no. Just... You know, we've had two power circuits in a row. They're going to be fine in Singapore. Yeah. Chill. Say that Mercedes is on the downslope. Yeah. No, Ferrari, we've been saying that. They've almost been on the wall of shame. They've been dangerously close to the wall of shame this this year. But, yeah, anybody that thinks Mercedes, you know, might, you know, there's something might be wrong back in Germany with their, you know, at their headquarters. Nah, bro. No. They're fine. Did Mercedes, to me, next week, um, the question isn't is, is do they win? The question is how much do they win by? That's how many laps? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like if if a Red and Bull Honda can I, keep it close, yeah, I'll be okay with it. But I would. This is remember when we went to the Hungaro Ring, and I said at that point we were three for three with great races, and I said I don't expect the streak to keep up in the Hungaro Ring. This is the same thing. I super don't expect this to be a heart stopping race next next week. No, and you know, the at most I'm expecting, you know, maybe some lap one shenanigans like we saw a few years maybe two years ago with Ferrari going into the first corner and they uh crashed into Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, maybe some carnage like that because they saw rain for the first time. But Singapore, you know, and you and I'll cover it more a lot next week, but um I have I have a beef with the with the circuit. Do you? Uh, yeah, the 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 uh, sector three complex mm. drives me insane. <laughs> it I, I cannot for the life of me fathom it. But whatever. I I we'll talk we'll talk more about Singapore because I don't yeah. like the track, but I like. I like that it's at night. I like, and I like the atmosphere. The I, I fans say, the, there are always the kind of atmosphere, that, the things that it drives through, the innovation of like we're going to send this track. What <laughs> the, the backdrop, the beauty of it is great. The track itself is pure pure turds. Yeah. Anyway, so Mercedes, uh, they had a good race. I anytime Mercedes finishes not on first, it's an internal disappointment with the car they've built. But I think that this race. They, hey, they it wasn't fought. Germany. They fought. You know, yeah, yeah no kidding. They fought. Uh, they couldn't catch up when it when they needed it most, and when they could, it was on. It was on kind of a, a not gonna stick passing attempt that Charles Leclerc defended Brilliant. borderline. Yeah, borderline legally. <laughs> I. You know what? No, legally, yeah. the precedent was there. There you go. They and they. You know what? The stewards, to their credit. Didn't say anything. So, oh man, I'm um, standing up. Sorry about that. No, you're good. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I think it was a weekend of missed opportunities. But I think it was by design by Mercedes. Lewis made several radio calls for more power. I need more power, guys. So he wanted to dial it up to 11, mm-hmm. and Mercedes said no. No. So, um, you know, they made the long play, and to me, that's a that's a chess move. They they chose to sacrifice this weekend and sacrifice. They had, they got second and third. They got a huge haul of points. They're going to wrap up the constructors' championship. Lewis is going to win the drivers' championship. That's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they made they made the play for the long haul by not letting him dial up the engine and burn it out because you only get three, and they don't want to incur at, you know at more engine penalties than they absolutely have to if they have to. Well, especially at Monza where that engine wears really quickly because, like I said, 
full acceleration, slow down turn, full acceleration. There's no. It's it is it it's plays. either all acceleration or off acceleration. There's there's it's either accelerating or slowing down. There's your speed through this corner or you know. There's no rest for your tires. There's no, no rest for your power unit. Mm-hmm. And if you can avoid dialing it up to eleven, go for it. So yeah. um, they avoided it. I think they made the long uh, the long choice and. They they put on a really, really good show. So all in all, I'm going to say that while they, they may seem a little disappointed and bummed out that they didn't take the top spot, this overall was a big, good weekend for Mercedes. I think it was. I think uh, the one and thing... And especially with Seb not giving him as much trouble as they thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Toto's going to walk away from that and take that every time. Well, I think the one thing that, that Mercedes revealed to me was... Uh, Botas, we've said a lot about how he is the ultimate company man. He's the ultimate number two driver, and that's where his value lies is, hey, you know, I'm not going to win the race, but I'm not going to, you know, finish off the podium most times, right? I he's think- not going to finish off the podium, and he's going to be a good challenge if Lewis isn't there. So if right. Lewis has to go through the escape route, he's going to put in a pretty good effort on Charles. But I think he lacked the, some of the killer instinct this week. It's it, That made it apparent was that the difference is is Hamilton has a killer instinct Charles has a killer instinct Max Verstappen might have killed people with that instinct <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, I'm gonna, probably I'm gonna, shouldn't be making death jokes so I'm, I'm gonna to Antoine's death but. yeah oh well yeah my bad <laughs> but uh anyway uh I'm gonna capture that uh that little laugh and drop that in places now what for our edit, edits? <laughs> no, I'm just gonna do it now. <laughs> Your laugh or mine? Your little. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, I think I think he just doesn't have the killer instinct that those drivers have, which is a problem. I think not a big. Pro- it's not a problem. I shouldn't say it's a problem. Actually. It is. I think it is exactly what it's, Mercedes wants. Right. It's it's by design. He doesn't have it. But I think the problem is that Mercedes this let Botas perf- let Botas pursue. Leclerc instead of hey I know Hamilton's sitting behind you but I think Hamilton probably had a better shot at overtaking him before the race ended yeah and you know I I don't know yeah okay he didn't have that you know final finish off you know power move that you know you would expect out of a number one driver but Mercedes doesn't want him to do that I think it's there Hence the 28-second bludgeoning he gave Hamilton in Australia to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that's there, but he doesn't have to do it. What? I just said that seems like an eternity ago. I know, right? <laughs> God, 2019 has just been such an interesting year. Um, it's To me, it's, it's more that um, you know he doesn't have to do it, so he's not going to do it. And, you know, he's going to use as much as he needs to within the boundaries. He's going to color within the lines. And he's going to bring that car home in one piece with as little damage to the power unit as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like uh, in, in the Grand Tour, they talked about Jim Clark's car uh, in that really awesome episode in Season 3 um, where he, they said that Jim Clark would always bring home the car in this pristine condition. That's what Mercedes wants Botas to do. They he they want him to finish up and mop up whenever Lewis can't do it and be a great number two driver who doesn't put too much on the car. So those three things. And he did that with, you know, with style this weekend. 
I, I would agree if it weren't for that lockup with uh, on lap 51, I think it was. But he mitigated the damage. He mitigated the damage, but I think and that— those tires were cooked. That I mean, looked, did you see the look on uh, on that on the on the set of tires that Lewis was using after he dogged Leclerc for so long? Honestly, that's I, they were I, they were roasted. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say they weren't, but I think when you have when if you have that opportunity to make that pass, and that was coming, uh, that was coming. He would have had a run on him. I think either coming out of the second chicane or going into Ascari, where the DRS yeah. is. I think that to me is the he felt that pressure and he cooked it anyway. I, I wouldn't doubt that there's a little bit of, okay, I'm within one second of him now, and that hurt him in the long run. I that and, to and, me and we're, is, we're both saying cook it. He didn't cook it that much. No, he didn't he didn't leclaire it and just jump over the curve. No, no. So, he, you know yeah, it again, was, this it's it's fine surgery that we are uh we are yeah, parsing through right now. We we are you know, that's a good point. We are we are so it, Mercedes this week just didn't have a lot to say about him, did they? They, they put on a really good fight. They didn't get it with the with where they were looking to go, mm-hmm. but they weren't going whole. We're, and everybody knew it. We're so we're so nitpicking this. We're, we really we're, are. We really are nitpicking uh, Botas here. Ultimately, what can you? Ultimately, at the end of the day, he challenged for first place, and he made a and he made a little mistake on some old tires. Yeah, that's I, it. And that's he got second, and they brought home second and third, and yeah. a massive haul of points. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's fine. All right, let's move on to another team. Uh, let's move on to a team that last week we wanted to grant them a Wall of Shame nominee for this year. This week, though, they get an award. We're going to give them the most improved award in our recent memory. Luke and I can't remember a team from week to week that has gone from holy cow, you guys are terrible, to, you know what? That's what we expect out of a manufacturer. We're talking about Renault. Dare I say, dare I say, that's better than I expected out of Renault. Uh, that, I completely like, agree. Not, and not a even, power circuit? Not, yeah. I was like, not even just a manufacturer team. If you're finishing, if you're going to do that at a power circuit, that's better than I expect out of a run-of-the-mill manufacturer's team. Absolutely. And for uh, as as much reliability uh has plagued you guys yeah we're gonna we're gonna go for it fourth and fifth you had uh ricardo and hulkenberg duking it out a little bit in the beginning stages and then just turning in a solid performance that is what i would want only only both of them just under a minute behind uh uh ricardo 45 seconds behind hulkenberg 58 minutes behind 58 seconds behind. Not only fourth and fifth, that's a pretty close fourth and fifth, all a, things being said. It's respectable. It's a step in the right direction. You, were, you weren't you were really all that far behind Lewis Hamilton. No, not <laughs> not that far. And, you know, for a power circuit, they're going to have to work on their chassis the rest of the year. But that's great that mm-hmm. for a, for an all-out-and-out out power, that's I think that that is right where they should be. Especially because Monza tends to bring out the worst in your car reliability because of its nature. And for... Just like what we were saying with Mercedes and Botas and bringing home that power unit, they didn't want to dial it up because it's hard on your power unit. The power unit is just beaten to death on this, on that circuit. Right. So fourth and fifth at, at you know, under a minute behind... Yeah, yeah, we'll take that every time. I remember when I first got into F one, uh, they had I think six six power units you could use, and the rule was always, well, one of them is for Monza alone, and then the other five you figure out over the course of several races, right? Yep. Monza is brutal, and you took home no reliability issues on the most reliability, the biggest reliability dependent track 
on the circuit. So are we? Gonna... And one of the most plagued reliability teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because their power unit. We were talking about it last week on Drive to Survive. It's just a guy kind of cranking it up with a crank thing. And, mm-hmm. You know, you're just like, oh, it's kind of clunky. And then, you know, everything going bang for everybody across the board for the you know first part of this season. Okay, you know what? That's not half bad, guys. That's a step in the right direction. Here's one of the interesting things to me is Renault has a hot week, right? McLaren has had two pretty bad weeks. Two of the worst weeks in this season. You know who? You know the gap between those teams is only eighteen points. That's tight. I'm so excited. That is so that is tight. Super tight, and it's it's going to be kind of a dogfight the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And don't be surprised to see McLaren throwing Renault under the bus if they have reliability problems and they're in the championship fight against each other. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh. <laughs> That is that is so tight because the other thing is if you would have talked to me pre uh, summer break and said yo you know McLaren and Renault are going to be in a fight for best of the rest I'd be like what are you on bro <laughs> yeah but hey here we are and uh, that's the world we live in right now yeah. I love it we have we have in in tr- right now F one is just so it's it's great you have every week for the last seven races. The question mark is always Singapore, but for the last seven races, you've had a legitimate, intriguing race. You, ha- the title shot might be the title, isn't intriguing, but who's going to win race to race does is in- intriguing, and now you have an intriguing midfield battle. Uh, you have some really intriguing, you know, uh, question marks about going up and down, and. It's it's really, really fun to watch, and Renault is going to make it fun to watch, I have a feeling. I completely agree, and the thing that I think is going to be cool is whether or not it maintains this level of intrigue with not only the storylines, but the racing. The racing simply cannot hold on to this pace, in my estimation. It, inevitably. And it's going to let go, and that's go. okay. We need that, you, because that would that's what makes that... That is what makes the um, the racing so good is that we can appreciate it, and you need those mundane races to kind of add to show you how much spice mm-hmm. you actually have. You don't if need, that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, you don't you don't appreciate Austria come right. France wasn't right before it, and it showed you the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yeah, that's the, that's. The Incredibles, that was Syndrome's whole point. When every race is super, no race is super. It's just mundane. Nobody cares. We're going to the the Incredibles now? Watch out. Disney might sue us. They oh my own gosh. everything now. Do they own TikTok? Because remember, we're broadcasting live on TikTok here. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're about to buy Apple. So if we're on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> then, you know, we they, the, the mighty hand of the, the mouse might come after us. We but- shouldn't say that considering... ESPN labeled station. There it is. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it. Um, the but... mouse already owns us. Anyway, but uh... <laughs> but oh, uh, God, you know, I, didn't even I look at the obvious one. I, I darn think, it. I think that's a. I think that's a great. Uh, I think that's a. That's a great analogy. Is I, it, I was, no. You're. I completely like agree with that. Was, yeah. No. It's you're absolutely. If everything is super, then nothing is super. And I think that you're gonna the the level of racing is going to suffer here at some point uh-huh. because seven in a row of these edge of your seat thing, you know events and races it, it can't no uh 
no series can maintain that. No series. So you're going to have to have a processional. You're going to have to have a Monaco or something like that mm-hmm. where it's not as good, but you kind of need it. It's a palate cleanser. Tim, Tim and I both adore baseball. We're huge Cardinals fans. Tim, I'm sure you'll agree there are some real stinkers of Cardinal games. Some like this is boring and this sucks, but that's what makes a walk off more more enjoyable, special. And that it depends on you know with the Cardinals it depends on whether or not we're getting just absolutely shellacked that particular game or Even whether if we it's... are doing the shellacking, it can get kind of repetitive and boring. Exactly, and you know if one side if it's lot a lopsided game, you're like, oh my god, all right, cool, it's the fourth inning, we're up fifteen nothing, I'm out. Yeah. You know, you don't want that to happen. You need that uh, the palate cleanser of, you know, maybe a, a tight pitching game or, you know, a game where someone does shellack the other side and then you you can appreciate the close hungry game, uh, races mm-hmm. um or the um, you know, bonkers Germany races. You 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 need that baseline to appreciate those things exactly i think we're gearing up let's talk about a team that is not gearing up for uh what i would consider a successful run here because they haven't been on a successful run and it really hurts to say because both tim and i really like this team and their moxie mclaren has had a disaster in two straight weeks i would say moxie i like that i like their moxie they have moxie they're they they do and yeah, wow, that was a that was an abysmal weekend for them. But the thing is, is that I don't think it's dampening their spirits one bit. They, you know, you had uh, Lando Norris, Spider Man, Peter Parker having to start from P sixteen because of uh, power unit stuff. Um, you know, shocker, McLaren or Renault, yikes! Um, <laughs> but he did he he, uh, he did come back to P ten, and again on a power circuit, good for him. Um, we, and then, we talked. We talked last week while we're talking yep. about the, this attitude. About uh, I think it was Carlos Science who said, "Hey, we're aware of weaknesses, and therefore, while it hurts this week, we can't feel too bad about the team, right?" Yep. And I said that that uh, belies the fact that reveals the fact that they, hey, they're super confident in themselves, and they know that this is a good plan with a good team and good drivers. This week, uh, I think it was Lando Norris who said. You know, hey, it's not the opportunity we want, but compared to last week and compared to uh, starting P16, we got a point out of it and we got 10th place, so you can't really be too upset. That was that was what uh, Lando said. I think both these drivers are really hitting the home the point that, yeah, things are going to go wrong. Mercedes doesn't have, you know, 22 consecutive phenomenal races. Right. And, yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. But the big the big thing was uh, Carlos Sainz. You just gotta feel bad for him, don't you? Yeah, that was that was hard. Uh, that he, was really hard. He gets a wheel uh, he gets a wheel attached uh, improperly. He's running six, takes his takes his pit stop. That wheel was attached improperly. Front right. Yep. yep in, in proper Haas fashion. And uh, but uh, you know, for, to the credit of the McLaren pit crew, they did try to say don't go, and Carlos did go. Yeah, um, they were they were they held up the the cross with the don't go where something's wrong, mm-hmm. um, and he went. So you know there's some miscommunication going on. Um, but like we yeah. said though, every team has miscommunication. Every Absolutely. team has a week or two weeks or maybe even three weeks where things just don't go your way. But the difference between y- your your Haas is Haas lets that eat at them, whereas a McLaren says we're a good team. 
we're fine. They have a ton of money and a ton of backing. So. And you have a ton. You have two of the most. You have one of the most talented one-two punches on the grid. You have a ton of money. You have a ton of backing. You have so much positive PR, which is insane considering the May they had. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, but yeah, no. I mean, you and I both really like this team. Yeah, and they have everything going for them. They're on the right trajectory. Finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and There's I, no denying that the trajectory they have is taking them right towards podiums. Yep, and um, you know, just a just a bummer of a cross up with, uh, you know, with uh, Carlos in the pits. Um, bummer there, but good salvage drive from Lando. Right, and I think that's that's really where it comes down to is is it sucked, but you salvaged something from it, and a lot of teams would have let that. Get, get to, to them. them. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, Red Bull. Let's do Red Bull. Let's do Red Bull again. Another. It's they had another Ferrari type weekend where it's kind of a binary result. Did one Ferrari, was good. One was bad. Did Ferrari get sick over the summer break and like sneeze on Red Bull? And now yeah. Red Bull can't call strategy, or Red Bull just has. Yeah, yeah the, things just kind of went wrong. I don't think. I don't think anything was wrong with Max. Mm-hmm. I think Max was it was just an unfortunate uh, series of events because he kind of rolled into that first corner and he was he backed off and he played it played it safe. He knew he had more to lose than anybody else, and he ended up in the pits anyway. So I don't think that I can fault him um, for for what happened to him. Uh, he did salvage in eighth place. Um, and then he uh, Albon also uh, finished sixth. He probably um, did as best he could. Albon did. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we knew that the power circuit like this, as well as Honda's been doing, they lack the punch on the super high speed stuff. Yep. And I think sixth. You, we talk about Albon and where Gasly failed was when we expect six from you, you get eighth. Albon, I would argue this week. Six is what we expect. I mean, like I, I, I would be shocked if they, especially because you know Renault was in an entirely different stratosphere th- than these than uh, the Honda. Just on t- terms of pace, man, I can't hate that sixth place. No, and you know they were. He was um, not that far behind. Uh, behind Hulkenberg. Behind Hulkenberg. He but, was pretty close. Yeah, he was uh, He was about a 1.2 seconds away. But I just, that Renault, you can't deny that that was a, such a great car this weekend. I would think that naturally, when I'm going into that race, seeing the pace Renault has, I would be happy. I'm going, we're not going to beat Ferrari. We won't beat Mercedes. We probably won't beat Renault. So I'm thinking sixth, fifth through seventh is about where I want that car. Yep. And... and- that's Cons- a res- all things considered, he probably, you know, another couple of laps, he probably could have caught up to Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Respectable uh, finish and a great, you know, uh, recovery drive from Max to get to eighth. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite points was, uh, was it Crofty that said this? I think it was Crofty. Uh, Max Verstappen, uh, you know, he he had that incident on turn one, lap one. And they go, they go, hey, it looks like he got hit from the back. He started in 20th. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, nah, he didn't, guys. I don't think he got hit for the back there. I know it's wild to think that Verstappen no, that was, didn't that have was, anybody uh, behind you. That was Brundle. Was it Brundle? Yeah, yeah it was Brundle. You know how to get hit from the back. By who, Martin? <laughs> the, the, By who? The pace car? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, oh man. man. So from a mixed bag to another just a uh, blah weekend, Haas didn't have a great weekend, man. I tell you. It, it's but the, you know what? They had a great week so far. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that'll, come, that'll come forward in our news. Maybe in our awards. Who knows? Ooh. You know what? I think so. I think I'm going to argue for that. I agree with you. Um, we, ha- we have of, we have two. Oh no, they're staying there. We have, but but yeah, and no one can see what we're doing. So we might want to talk about live streaming some of this stuff someday. <laughs> but uh, but but it's this corner that they're going to leave behind them and turn the page. We're we're uh, going to keep that corner around though. But yeah, the, but it's they were creeping. It's weird and it keeps me on my toes. <laughs> anyway, but uh, Haas. Uh, Yet another race, they, did, they didn't make people too proud to be an American, but uh, yeah, not a great showing. Um, I can't, I can't stand up and you know, yeehaw, I, I do, I, red, red, white, and blue. Uh, the, this one, but yeah, we're not going to wear the American flag shorts on this one. Um, I mean, you you tell yourself that. I have that in my Benjamin Franklin T-shirt, so. <laughs> God help me, um, <laughs> Grant me strength, or what? what what's that? Clarkson always says, "Give me strength." Um, I like the office. Lord, beer me strength. Oh, Jesus, um, Magnuson uh, didn't finish uh, due to a hydraulics issue. Uh, again, you know, it's the the circuit is really really hard on the power unit, and hydraulics issues will come to the forefront. But I will let you read this next one because you wrote it, and I think this is hilarious. Uh, yeah, so Romain Grosjean turned in the kind of performance that is perfectly emblematic of why he's getting canned at the end of the year. <laughs> Let's, Yikes! Like, I mean, is there any other way to put that? No, that, that's you're ex- right. It, 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 it is. And this kind of I performance. Feel bad for him. The thing, too, is I don't feel too proud. I don't feel too happy with the performance, but I'm not angry like I should be because this is what I expect out of a 2019 Haas team. At this point, at this point, yeah, sure. It's like it's like being angry when the Orioles are losing a game. It's like, yeah, what do you expect? They're going to lose a hundred of them this season. You can't get too angry at each one of them, right? Yep. Uh, Romain Grosjean he gets shunted uh, from behind in thirteenth. He falls back to sixteenth after at the escape uh, road at uh, Variante Raggia. That's an Italian laugh, but uh, you know, uh, he regains thirteenth and then he spins on lap ten at Variante Ascari. He spins at Ascari. Uh, he has to go. He has to go pit, and uh, he changed to a two-stop strategy and finished sixteenth, right where we started. <laughs> that that is he did. The thing I put here is he has one job. I understand that first lap incidents are going to happen, and very rarely can you control how they happen to you, the effect they're going to have on your race. You know, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, they all have to deal with the fact that stuff gets hairy at lap one, turn run one anywhere, and you just got to get through it. And if something happens, that's not exactly your fault. Grosjean, where his faults shown through to me, was on that spin at Ascari, because at that point you have one job, a salvage drive ahead of you. And the hallmark of a good salvage drive is not getting too greedy. And not pushing to the point where you spin because you play it safe, get as much as you can. Don't right. risk much because you've already you're already on the back foot. Right. You yep. have you have one incident per race you can probably you can probably spend, right? Yep. You can you can salvage a win if you messed up one corner, right? You don't have two and, and you had already spent your incident this race at lap one turn run through what I don't think is any fault of Roman Grosjean. What is the fault? Is that he went too risky? He went. He gambled too much. Gambled too much, and he when just, you didn't have anything to spend at the casino, what are you doing? Exactly, exactly. That that is what I that we talk about. Number two drivers, where there's there's this 
air of being conservative about them. And if you expect me to finish 12th, I will finish 12th. And I'm not going to risk the 12th spot for an 11th spot, right? I know back there they're not nobody's getting points. But you know what I'm saying, right? Yep. It, it's the same thing. But he wasn't even a very good number two driver at that because he risked, you know, what was it, 13th, uh, 12th? I don't know what he was running in, but he risked it and spun. And then he has to go switch to a two-stop strategy, which is very not optimal at Mont. Optimal at Monza. Completely agree. Yeah, I uh, I don't think I can um, say anything else beyond that. I yeah, um, I was gonna say I think I, I think I summed it up pretty well there. Like, yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. That's why Hulkenberg comes in. Motorsport has Gunter Steiner uh, back on the 29th before uh, any of the racing had happened in Spa, saying that we're almost there. We're waiting for other dominoes to fall. We're uh, we're gonna wait for. The announcement about Ocon and Hulkenberg to be out of his seat. Um, there's not many drivers. I always said to you, we always said that our dream was to have a driver with experience. So for sure, there's interest in Hulkenberg. So they've all but said it. So it's uh-huh. going to be Hulk and Magnussen uh, for a, you know, a one-two punch. A that's, one-two punch. That's and not going to be too at, bad. It's two seasoned guys that know what they want into the car. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for it. Yeah, um, um, it, that. I said going into this year that I don't think there's such huge driver problem at Haas. I think there is a driver problem now. Don't get me wrong. There's a big driver problem. But next year, they're super not a driver problem. If if Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin Magnussen can't drive your car into the points, that's not a points-worthy car. They're not Lewis Hamilton who are going to drive a non-points car into the points, right? But they're going to give Alonzo who can drive a non-points car into the points. Right, exactly. But they're going to give you what that car is capable of. Not much more, but they aren't going to give you anything less. Correct. Um, so I, I think Haas has identified an issue, but I worry that they haven't identified the overarching issue that eh, maybe this car design ain't great. Um, they have yeah. to they have to have internally, but they need to really focus on that because you can't get distracted on your drivers when your car's not there. Hot garbage, yeah. No. Um, and, I mean, at this point, they're, they've got to just be focusing on the 2020 car, right? They have like, to be. There's, there's no, there's Not, no salvaging this year. And and to to, you know, move on that point too. They have to because Pirelli next year has said, you know, next year's tires are going to be in a completely different direction than this year's. This year's was way too hard to find the temperature. Next year we're going to make it easier, and that's yep. that's been their PR statement, which is, yeah, we made a mistake this year. That's been the primary problem of the Haas car. Yep. It's, so if I'm at Haas, I'm going. Not only next year are we having next year can we develop a good car, but our main problems already fixed. Next year we can move and pursue problems that aren't our primary problem and might not have got fixed if it was the same tires. You, you feel what I'm saying? Completely understand. So that. instead of wasting fixing this tires deal, that's being fixed for them. They can fix a car. They can fix minor problems, aerodynamic tweaks. I wouldn't be surprised if Haas has a really strong car next year. Because I hope so. their biggest problem is getting solved for them. Can you imagine how happy Gunter will be? Can you imagine how happy I will be? An American <laughs> team that I can root for. <laughs> and hey, you know what? Gunter, if you want to come on and tell us how happy you are about the progress you're going to make in 2020, I, I'm all for it. We'll have our people call your people. How's that? <laughs> our folks will call your your folks. I think it would be an awesome interview. Um, um I think that I think that wraps it up for the teams. There are a few we haven't. There are a few we haven't touched. We had Racing Point, who had an okay result. You had Sergio Perez uh, splitting the Red Bulls, and you had uh, Lance Stroll 
doing Lance Stroll things <laughs> and uh, spinning and then doing the exact thing you complained about. But yeah, you call I it. won't rag on you too much because I've already done that too much this year. Uh, Alpha Romeo was just kind of uh, Alpha Romeo there this weekend. They I would had say. an interesting weekend. They yeah, they were just kind of there. Giovinazzi actually had a pretty good result. I don't and hate for that his night. Home yeah, it was a ninth place. It was his second points finish of the year, and it was at his home race, so good for him. Yeah. You know, and they uh, uh, they had that really awesome Italian uh, home uh, Grand Prix uh, mm-hmm. livery this weekend with the racing suits as well, so mm-hmm. good for them. Uh, um, Williams, uh, we're just going through here because these – Teams they don't they don't yeah. they don't warrant ten minutes of discussion. Williams, I liked Williams this. I liked George Russell's performance this week. A fourteenth place, and he was ahead of Kimi Grosjean Kubica. Uh, yeah, I mean that's not too bad. It's I, not bad at all. I, um, I realize there are three DNFs below uh, Magnusic Viet signs, but Russell still the 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 fact of the matter is he put two drivers between him and Kubica. Yep, and. You know, Kubitz has not had the greatest year. I get it, but well, I I'm, hear reports that he's out next year. Shocker. We'll we'll talk about that in the news. Uh, yep. But I hear reports that he's out next year. It's probably going to be Lietzi. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Latifi. I thought it was Latifi. Lietzi. I think it's going to be Latifi from F two. Gotcha. But uh, that's what I hear. That's that's Perfect. that's what I hear is going to happen. Uh, Nicholas Latifi from F two, who's having a pretty good season himself. Don't know why I said Lietzi. They all sound they sound pretty close. They're Italian. Uh, did Italian names like to untrained ears? It's like like they all. It's like Although my I've, word. Uh, you know, I'm I'm continuing the trend of offending our Italian. We apologize uh, to Italian I, listeners. I am so sorry. I like but. I love I I love your country I love the culture but like it's probably it's probably like when I say my name's like Tom Brown and you're like oh yeah how stereotypically American of you, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah so um, and then uh, Pierre Gasly to round out um, the teams with uh, Toro Rosso was the only one that. Uh, finished of the two, uh, which is a bummer because Kvyat actually had a pretty good weekend. He did have a good weekend. I again, though, I think Gasly is kind of nestled in nicely at uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso. That eleventh isn't too bad. Nope, uh, not at all. So that's going to wrap up our Italian GP coverage. We'll kick it in to some awards and maybe some news next on the Formation Lap on One Hundred and One. The Formation Lap. All right, everybody, welcome back to the news. All the news that you can do it. I like how you even do the yeah that that one that one repeats. I like you know put four or five repeats under the thing. I'm giving it to everybody in stereo. Yeah, there you go. Coming left to right on you. All right, so uh, actually, you know what? We convert this to mono, so that sucks. Anyway, let's go on to the to the news. Two quick things, and we have two bigger. Bigger things. Uh, quickly, the Amola circuit has relaunched and had approval to be added to the F1 calendar. The same company that uh, that was hired to redo Sanford is being contacted to improve the stance and paddock at Imola. Give me your hot takes, please. I'm all for it. I don't hate it either. Uh, second Italian Grand Prix, sign me up. Okay, uh, that'll that'll make it really easy on the teams. Um, if you know, with the European stretch uh-huh. uh, of the season, and if we're going to add more, let's try to make it easier on them through mm-hmm. the year. So, plus, uh, I think with Imola, right? I was going to say with the removal of some traditional <clears throat> circuits like we're seeing in 
in a Germany, in a Spain soon to come. Um, not that Spain is historic and, you know, you know. Something we're used to. Right. And, you know, with the addition you, of, you know, like Vietnam and streets are right. popular. You're throwing on a little more known factor in Imola. And one of be, the it'll be really easy to pay tribute to Senna since that's where he and Ratzenberger died. Right. Um, uh, so, no, it's obviously not on the calendar yet, but they're bringing it up to F1 spec in the... The same, like I said, the same company does Zandvoort is doing this one, and Zandvoort is a much harder project than Imola. Yeah, Imola, I think they had to cut a chicane and uh, make sure that the surface was acceptable for right. the forces that they put on it. So cool, I yeah. love it. Uh, in other news, uh, Williams has posted significant financial losses for the first six months of 2019. I don't think that's a shock to anybody, um, especially after the 2018 they had. That this year they're they're losing money in terms of. Uh, a lack of sponsorship. The problem is, is that that means that they're going to lose even more money next year. And that's where it's going to hurt. It's because they're doing worse this year than last year. And, yeah. And, you know, I th- we talked with Todd about it, and I, I really want to have Todd back on at the end of the year to touch on this because mm-hmm. you and I, to start this uh, journey with this show um, at the Formation Lab, we talked to Todd at uh, the kickoff of with his show right. and asked, you know, will Williams be for sale? And this kind of speaks to, yeah, might actually be up for sale or, you know, be consolidating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be why Patrick Head is there uh, as a consultant. Yeah. So For a private team, uh, which they are, they're a private team, even though their Williams name is so great. When, you ha- when you're a privateer team, you only have a limited amount of money. You need to make money. In order to keep going, I mean, you don't exactly have the coffers of Renault to go raid, um, so that's that's a problem. And also, I, there will be more sponsors that jump off jump off after this year for sure. Um, I don't think it'll be as big of a loss as it was last year. I mean, I think if a sponsor wanted to jump off, they would have done it already after last year. But I wouldn't be surprised. You, you see slightly less sponsors on their car next year. The problem is, is that this just it's snowballing right now, right? You get less money this year. Your car next year is funded even cheaper than this year's car. So the question is, is how do you turn that around? And you know, you already have trouble with concepts and speed as it is. So, yeah. you know, is there is there any light at the end of the tunnel for Williams? I just don't know. I. Yeah. Can Yikes. you imagine how crazy it is for somebody who started following F1 this year, maybe because of the drive to survive, to tell people that Williams is like one of the top three winningest teams of all time in Formula One? Like, it's wild. It's, it's whoever's tragic. Whoever's listening right now, especially American listeners who haven't been as steeped in F1 history to hear that, yeah. is like, wait, what? The guy's at the back? Yeah. Really? It, that's why it's tragic. It is, And, it, and it, it wasn't even that long ago that no. they were winning and putting stuff, you know, High up in qualification, it was 2013 back when, you know, they're, they were last like, okay, Williams is back in it. You've got Botas and you have uh, Felipe Massa in yeah. there scrapping, and now it's no. Now the only thing Williams is known for is the one team that gives you a contract to start F1 2018. That's that's the challenge. That's the challenge We're on mode. 2019 now, bud. You oh come it. on! That's 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 the challenge mode is start at Williams and then build your career up and see if you can get it out of Q1. Right. Uh, so uh, in other Williams news, Nicholas Latifi is reportedly and set. Lietzi to- is the former Toro Rosso Red Bull driver. My apologies. My bad. You know what? I love brain farts like that though because it it, it like belays the fact that you actually know so much that you're brain farting. Like if I said. 
oh, you know, Joe Schmo, it's like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. That, though, reveals that you know more than just <laughs> random the random guy who can't remember his name. Whoops. Yeah, like it 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 reveals how intelligent you are. So don't apologize for it. Brag about it. That's a galaxy brain move right there. Uh, sure. It's big brain Thank time. Thank you for the compliment. It's I big, do appreciate it's it. It's big brain time over here. <laughs> You're talking about my head being big. It's true. It's a. I've got a big fitted hat size. But oh my, you have no idea. You have no. <laughs> let me tell you, you have no idea. We'll You're... touch about that off offline. <laughs> yes, I will. I will just give you my hat and see if it fits. Uh, anyway, uh, Kubica uh, returned to Formula One this year, but he's obviously really struggling. Uh, Nicholas Latifi is doing pretty well. Uh, go in, and his in dad Formula has a Two big checkbook. Yeah, I was going to say his dad is Michael TV is a billionaire and co-owns McLaren, so it happens. Uh, I mean. But he, that's that driver lineup's never going to change, so may as well talk about Williams. Yeah, for real. Uh, Latifi, he's already Williams Reserve and Friday driver. Uh, he's go, He looks to be qualifying for his F1 Super License in 2020 uh, by doing well in Formula 2, so I don't hate this move. Um, obviously, if you're Williams aren't your drivers of all things. Um, but, you know, Kubica just – Kubica isn't going to take it out of last. Russell will. And you need a guy who, even though you're running 20th, might pass the guy in 19th. And for me, I think Kubica – I'm always going to be a fan of Kubica because he came back from such a such a massive injury. And he's already won in my book just lining up on the grid. Uh-huh. Um, so – you know what, good for him, and if he doesn't get another round, I don't think he's going to beat himself up too much because he's in first place. Yeah. Uh, Claire Williams' quote is, we're working out what we're going to be doing from a race driver perspective for, our, for 2020 at the moment. Um, obviously, George Russell has a contract for Williams in 2020, so that just means we don't know. We, If they were going to bring back Kubica, they would say that. Yeah, they absolutely So would. they're not bringing back Kubica. I hate to say it, but rightfully so. He's been a disappointment. But, you know, uh, Nicholas Latifi, that's not a bad choice. Uh, doesn't hurt that he comes with a big big checkbook because his dad's, you know, co-owner of McLaren. He comes in with a checkbook, and you know who's hurting for money we just talked about? Willie. Yeah. Cha-ching. It's <laughs> <laughs> all about that. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. Um so you wanna you wanna jump into the big the, the big news that popped out yesterday? Uh, team boss Gunter Steiner has announced uh, that uh, Haas and Rich Energy are no more. Haas has cited a corporate restructuring process at Rich Energy as the main factor. <laughs> yeah, they need to they need to have a brand new global strategy. <laughs> AKA that, we're going bankrupt. AKA a- hashtag Lightning Volt Limited. <laughs> and. They're about to be investigated, and Haas needs to get out of Dodge. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I, to my knowledge, they still haven't paid off white bikes for that lawsuit, which is only like, I think, three hundred grand was all that lawsuit. No, it was like thirty grand. Was it thirty grand? Yeah. I was gonna say, which is a drop in the bucket when you're talking about the money that you're putting into F1. I was gonna say probably. I was gonna say I broke, and I could go out and get a thirty grand loan for a house or something. You know, not 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 that difficult for a company that sponsors an F1 team. Yikers and a half. Yeah, that's not good. You're <laughs> you're going into liquidation for sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Haas cars will run the same black and gold livery until the end of the season, but Rich Energy branding is out. It's gone. Yep. So thank God. 
so the the so Haas will probably run the same livery for the rest of the year. Yep, same colors. But you won't see any rich energy stuff on them. Thank God. It'll just say a big old Haas on there, which I think actually might end up looking better. <laughs> I think it'll look so dope. Yeah, it'll look so good. So excited about that. The, um, the Haas. Good for them. Good for good. Hopefully they secure another title sponsor. Hey Gene, let's get on that. That'll be hashtag awesome. White Bikes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> just, um, just cover up the rich energy thing and write white white bikes and Sharpie and be like, it's the same logo. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You, you want to talk about that thing we were talking about earlier about about our little corner? Yeah, we do have a corner where um, uh, the, <laughs> the patron saint of rich energy. Um, what's his name? Yeah, what's his face? The, the, uh, the, the, the most, the, the, the most the forgettable guy ever. Guy. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's sitting right there staring. He's staring. He's behind all of our racks here. Uh, all of our monitor readouts well, yeah, and you, whatnot. You can't. I see can't him, see him, but, but I, I can, and he's staring at me, <laughs> and it's weird and uncomfortable. It's the rich energy feels... corner. It's for when the Hall of Shame just doesn't do it enough. Justice. Exactly. William Story is his name. Yes, that's right. Um, because the, you, that is a name that you put to a guy like that, um, Story. But he's. Just, it's just kind of weird. Um, but I'm glad that uh, now it's going to be this obscurely weird corner where things of shame go. Uh, um, not to say that there isn't a wall of shame. There very much is, but nobody on the but wall. This is of- a special, like a like a with the with Top Gear's old cool wall. Right, it's this sub zero cool. It's this is this, but not in a good way. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bad <laughs> on thing. a scale on a scale of zero to ten. That is the sub zero wall. <laughs> that, yeah, on a scale of one to ten, this is dialing it up to eleven on the weird shameful. I'd say if zero is uncool and one and ten is cool, this is this actually is sub zero. Exactly. Exactly. But, it, but in other news, um, we did have – I texted you Friday night about this because I was just dying laughing. So this – in every sport, there are always going to be contrarian people, um, and none of them is as contrarian in F1 as Jacques Villeneuve, um, the, uh, the, the world champion son of one of the ultimate drivers, Gilles Villeneuve, who uh, has the circuit in Canada named after him um, – Jacques, uh, Jacques, whatever, however you want to say it, is is a is a bit is a bit of a, an odd guy when he makes comments. He's the John Smoltz of the F one world. world. He makes he just says things sometimes. Um, and a couple weeks ago, when or last week, good lord, um, when uh, Antoine Hubert died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Villeneuve came out and decided to take the moment in a in the most Villeneuve way possible um, and say uh, that uh, instead of letting young uh, drivers test, they sit for a week in the race simulator. When they get to the racetrack, they behave as if they're still in the simulator. It's not the same stress as it used to be. It doesn't bring the same adrenaline, and so they don't have the right assessment of danger. And that's just the most tone-deaf thing to ever say in the wake of someone dying. I was going to say, this is the epitome of the you're not wrong, you're just an a-hole gif. We're like, yeah. there might be a point to that. I, I, there, I would be willing to hear that except for the day after the death. Right. You, you're, you wait until the stuff's cleared and we're talking about safety. And we're talking about improvements and right. we're talking about investigating how we can fix this. You don't point at the the, the still not yet cold body and say, well, it's because you spent too much time in the simulator. Way to go, Jack. Yeah. But uh, Lewis Hamilton roasted him pretty hard for that. Um, at the same time, uh, Nico Rosberg decided to take aim at Verstappen. 
and Max Verstappen. And Max Verstappen uh, said, uh, you know, I don't really listen to his podcast. And to be honest with you, he's kind of the new Jacques Villeneuve. <laughs> and that hit Rosberg so hard. He decided to say, and this is in the article uh, with ESPN, um, Rosberg decided to say, I have a lot of respect for uh, the drivers on the grid, and I'm going to try to change my tone a bit. A little bit of, bit of change now. Let's see if it's good or not. Eh, time will tell, Nico. We'll see. <laughs> um, but uh, but I thought that was funny, but came down pretty hard on Jack Villeneuve. Um, he, he said, I don't really agree a lot with a lot of opinions that that individual has, and I don't know if anyone does. I, I personally don't really listen to them. I- I love when people take measured disses instead of just like, you know, full on roast session. It's just that individual. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he won't even say them by name. Yeah. Because, uh, because it's, if, not, it's not like saying like Voldemort. Yeah. It's just saying, I'm not going to, I don't respect that person enough. I, it's not like they fear that person. They just yeah. don't respect that person enough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just a crazy. Whoa. <laughs> Easy there, boys. The best part, too, is if you if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't catch on to how disrespectful that quote was. Exactly. <laughs> the- but I love it. It's the, <laughs> just the just the right amount of shade from Lewis to Villeneuve. It's, it's the ultimate. And it's and I think I think the thing that I, I texted you about on Friday that I, I think is so great is that the champ spoke yeah. <laughs> about a champ. Yeah, he is a champion. Sure. But no one. He's he's kind of that he's kind of the he's kind of the family member no one wants to lay claim he's, to he's at the, the family reunion. Stepchild. He's the yeah, black sheep. but in a in a bad way. And you know the champ spoke about it mm. and shut the door it's in the, the best way possible. It's it's the ultimate British put down. I feel like <laughs> like it's like, perfect. Like it's perfect. It has a veil of politeness and on then, their absolute savagery below. <laughs> And then Rosberg comes out, says something boneheaded about Verstappen, <laughs> and Verstappen slams the door on him with a Villeneuve insult. And, and it's Love ba- it. And it's bad enough that Rosberg goes, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, he goes, oh, I'll, I think I'll change my tone, tone a bit. I'm sorry, Max, Mad Max. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize it was coming across yeah. Villeneuve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, oh, right. Loved that. Well, but, that laughing, that means it's probably time to move on to the awards, I would say. That'd let's be, do it. Let's do it. Oh, man, do you hear that music? That sounds like Larry David's music. But it's not Larry David's music. It's time for the Wreck of the Week. All right, well, we have a couple nominees. I have a couple that might not be on here, but I will start with one of the ones that is on here. Uh, Sebastian Vettel. The spin looked like a nail in the coffin for the German, and I think if Ferrari wasn't seriously reconsidering a replacement, uh, they have to be right now, especially considering how well Leclerc Leclerc performed in the same car. Leclerc didn't have any issues with uh, spinning at Ascari or losing losing grip in that particular fashion. That's an all-mental error on Vettel. Yeah, there were a couple moments, though, where Leclerc coming out of the parabolic onto the straight had to really wrestle that Ferrari, uh-huh. so he almost lost that back end. But that's not on lap six. No, it's not. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know that it's the nail in his coffin. I, I think uh, calling for calling for uh, heads to roll a Ferrari is kind of kind of rough on Vettel. Yeah. So, do you have a do you have a do you have an unwritten nominee this week? Um, 
I mean, Jack Villeneuve. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> yikes, dude. Uh-huh. And it's mostly because I'm just so angry that he would take aim that quickly and be like, "Well, it's because he spent too much time in a simulator. Get out of here." Yeah, what, like go, I go said, go back to playing music badly. Like I said, if you had any tact whatsoever, you might have raised a pretty, pretty competent point there. Right. Um. But uh, my other thing is uh, F1 strategists. F1 strategists figured out a novel way to go home uh, about a minute and a half early out of Q3, and that's multi-million dollars of uh, engineering genius making eight cars fail to reach the finish line in time. How, As my favorite YouTube series, uh, Red Letter Media, would say, how embarrassing. Seriously. <laughs> Completely agree. But... Um... Do you have any other writ- unwritten ones? I think I think those are my two. I was gonna okay. go. With, I was gonna go with Villeneuve as well. Okay. So, uh, would you like to do the first elimination? I was about I think, to do that. I think we already know who it is. Go for it, Sebastian Vettel. I think uh, this was a bad week, but this has not been a significantly worse week than everyone else. If NASCAR wise, right? If last weekend you flipped the car in Daytona, and this week you only spun out at Bristol. It's, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, so I would agree with that elimination. I'm going to eliminate the F1 strategists. Ooh, okay. I was because because it put on a really good show, and they were all trying to outdo each other. So they were doing their jobs, and they actually put on a pretty good show inadvertently. I I would say I was going to go with the F1 strategists because we expect Jack Villeneuve to have. <laughs> Interesting takes, all right? And I wasn't shocked when he said something a little tactless about uh, the Hubert thing. I also wasn't exactly surprised when, uh, you know, people were like, well, you know, reacted negatively to it, shall we say. Yeah. F1 strategists, however, there's – how often do you see them mess up, right? And yeah. everybody goes, this is the pinnacle of motorsports. And while it was entertaining, it was entertaining in the same way that the never-ending Williams saga was entertaining in that it's kind of just a total, you know, fustered clock of a situation, right? Um and you'll notice Williams, by the way, is on our wall of shame for having won too many Wreck of the Weeks. So I am going to stand by my strategist. Would you like to defend Jacques Villeneuve? You mean as my pick for Wreck of the Week? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I was like, <laughs> that's an interesting phrasing. Um, no, I would not like to defend Jack Villeneuve because he's just awful. But I will defend him as my pick because... Of just how tone deaf that was. That was the first out and out death um, in a racing car due to a racing incident that we've had in a bit for Since, in the formulas. And, and, and by the way, IndyCar has IndyCar. The last one I think was uh, Justin Wilson too, which was back in the time back. In, I think it was in the same year that Jules Bianchi passed. So exactly across so open wheel racing. I mean, it's been a while, you know. Exactly, and. To have such a tone-deaf, insensitive, crummy thing to say, you know, it's like you you decided to say that, and it just it felt it smacked of trying to stay relevant, and I cannot abide that. I just can't. And, you know, while, yeah, you know, the F1 strategists, you know, kind of bungled it, it's not to the, to the point of they are literally – being disrespectful of someone's grave. So it's a fight of disrespect and tactlessness versus being a laughing stock of a crap show. 
But see, I would actually kind of put uh, put the F1 strategist maybe in the people's champ because they gave us such a good show. No yeah. way. No, yeah. no, no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, come on. I will not abide by that, even though I will say it was a fantastic show. You're laughing because they screwed it up. I will cede to Jacques Villeneuve. I will cede. I really thought the F1 strategist had a great pick this week, but Jacques Villeneuve... It's a whole different kind of wreck of the week. Yeah. So uh, I I I wanted F one strategy just to win because of the comedy, but you can't uh, you can't argue against the non comedy of Jack Villeneuve. So yes, I won that one. Yes. <laughs> you don't win those often, do you? No, but uh, I'll right. shake your hand. Shake hands. Shake hands. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, th- that's what I love about this is we only have two of us, so we have to argue over stuff. <laughs> well, we debate. We debate. We, we and that and you know what. Uh, with with the public discourse being as poor as it is, I think that you and I engaging in healthy, good, respectful debate is a fun thing. Well, we're teaching the youth that you can seed and still make your point. Says the guy that the- likes to say that he's a young, broke college kid as an adult. Well, we're showing the kids. you got to think about the kids, all right? <laughs> it's the kids. He we hope you come on. Says the guy who had to show. reverse <laughs> exactly <laughs> saying a word about eight times earlier. Ish ish ish, 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 ish. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think we're going to start a new segment coming up here called Luke's Old Man Rant. Uh, I used to do this oh in college. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I used to do this in college. Have I Have yeah. I pitched this to you? I will yeah. pitch it to the people. But no, you pitched it to me, but it's the fact that you do it off air, and yeah. I'm like, you. we should really do this on air, <laughs> and so, but I never say it. I'm like, yeah, you're right, or... Really? You're kind of kind of crabby today, Luke. I used to I used to do this in college, and it was it was a thing I did on the actually the punk rock show I hosted on eighty nine nine WLCA, where they would just give me something moderately annoying, and I would have to rant about it for five minutes, and it was a challenge. And uh, they'd be like, "Okay, guys who don't use their blinkers, or dudes who drive Mercedes," and right. I would just be like, "All right, here we go, bam." Even if I didn't agree with it, I, I could argue against it for a good time. And that has always been one of my gifts, as I can argue anything. So I think we're going to have uh, Tim set up, uh, just give me something, and i got to argue why it's good or bad for Formula One. <laughs> like, Ferrari winning this weekend, is that bad for Formula One? Why, gotcha. yes, let me tell you why. <laughs> gotcha. Interesting. So, yeah, uh, that's always been a gift of mine is the ability to inanely argue really silly things. In fact, I was excited to be on jury duty last week. I didn't get selected, but I was excited because I really enjoyed drawn-out petty arguments. (laughs) You are the only person that wanted to get picked for jury duty. Oh, dude. Well, when they announced that it was grand jury duty, I might have changed my mind. (laughs) That was was, was an every Thursday for four months commitment. 100, nope. And I was like, I don't have that kind of time. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I used to do it. It was a big hit. So we might bring that back. Um, not next week. Next week's our collaboration episode. But uh, maybe With the, the outlap. Week- yep. Yep. Maybe next, maybe the week after that. And, uh, Tim, I'm going to challenge you to think of some really stupid things. Like, like oh, I said. that's all I do all like, day, every like day. Like I said, is Ferrari Ask winning Ask anybody it- who religiously listens to our show. They're like, oh, my God, Tim has terrible takes. Yeah. I have terrible stuff that you can rant about. Yep. Like, for example, um, is Mercedes domination the best thing to have ever happened to Formula One? Why? Why is here's why the Russian street the Russian street circuit in Sochi is the greatest track on the F one calendar. Why is Why is Ferrari winning at I'm Monza sorry, I just, I the hate greatest? Sochi so much. <laughs> why is Ferrari winning at Monza bad for the sport? 
I might not. I might. I gotta think of him off the top of my head. There's no rehearsing for this uh, sketch, but uh, for this bit, I will think of something stupid and yeah. awful, and you'll have to argue. The, with- the key is it can't be so like ridiculously bad. Like the the key is it can't be like you know distastefully bad. So oh no, like, yeah, yeah no like so like you have to um, give me a sliver of something to work with. Here's the thing. I think that expanding the calendar to 30 races is a good thing. Okay. Go for it. Well, you see, the key of Formula One is eyes on the viewership. We've heard that in several we've heard that several consecutive years. So what is better for increasing viewership than having it a weekly show, right? These F one teams, they can afford it. All right. NASCAR teams travel to thirty six races on a budget of twenty million dollars. And I don't think there's many Formula One teams that are operating below fifteen million or hundred fifty million. They can afford it. People get more races, and you know what really increases viewership is when you have a local connection to those races. You know, I bet you F1 viewership in Austin is way higher than it is in St. Louis because people care about it because they come to your local place. The more local places you can visit, the better you get your viewership, the healthier your sport is, and the more it appeals to sponsors, the more it appeals to new teams, and the more it appeals to young drivers who want to say, I want to get into Formula One. Plus, more races means that an individual bad race isn't, or an individual bad race or domination can't dominate the season. 30 races, we might be talking about how Max Verstappen is catching up to Lewis Hamilton pretty quick. Better, better, ter- better championship structures. Guys, that was all completely off the top of his head. <laughs> I literally just made that up after out of nowhere. Yeah, so that that's what you have to that, look forward that's to. What, that's what you have fun. to look forward to. Was it convincing? Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> and I'm going to actually crowdsource it, too, and see just how ridiculous we can make this. <laughs> you, it's going to be a blast. You got it. All right. Yep, like I said, that's always been my talent, is being able to argue stupid, really petty things. Yeah, All right, so let's move on to an actual t- title we give away every week. It's time for the People's Champion! Beautiful. The People's Champion, brought to you by Tim and Luke, sponsors of the People's Champion for all, what is this, episode 18? I don't know. (laughs) For all of our episodes so far. So far. We have been the unanimous supporters. (laughs) All right. So uh, there are two written ones. Would you like to take, I will take the first written one, you can take the second, and I have an unwritten third one, and then I don't know if you have any unwritten People's Championship nominees. I have one that I I'm thinking don't. of right now. So I'll take I the don't, first one. But I do have a nominee for the Wall of Fame this week. We'll get to that right after right yep. after the yep, yep, People's yep. Champion. Let's do it. All right, the People's Champion nominees this year, Renault. This week. Or this this week, yeah. Jeez, we aren't doing the end of year awards. This week, Renault. Are they back? Solid maybe, but they're making the midfield race even that much more entertaining. What was once a domination by McLaren is now just 18 points. And honestly, if they can keep up and fix their reliability issues, watching a race in Abu Dhabi where we have a fight between Ferrari and Mercedes to finish first in that race and a fight between Renault and McLaren right behind that to finish higher in the standings. And Red Bull following closely behind. Red Bull will probably... Maybe overtake Ferrari. Who knows? Who knows? It, like, um, I'm telling you that this has the, the possibility to be spectacular. It, it definitely does. Our next nominee is Charles Leclerc. The young driver has ingratiated himself to the Tifosi in a legendary way. It's hard not to cheer just a little bit when you see a Ferrari victory at Monza, even more so when it's such a talented 
I'm going to nominate the third nominee, and that would be the Tafosi themselves at Monza. That is what I understand that the track itself is special in the nature of it and how vastly different it is than every other track on this circuit. But what makes Monza even more special is the crowd support that comes out there. The fact that every time you see a Ferrari passing, there are people with red smoke bombs going off. The fact that they have a ginormous you you they line up at the you know at at the the victory circle on the podium, and you see a sea of people with thousands of flags and Ferrari were everywhere. And the gigantic it's just Ferrari red. flag just right. flapping it, everywhere. It puts it puts the orange Max Verstappen fans to shame in term of like in term of just in absolute intensity, which is no joke. So I am going to tip the cap to the Tifosi. Absolutely. And would you have do you have any others? I don't have any others. Would do you? Perfect. No, I do not. All right. So I will let you take the first elimination. Perfect. I am going to eliminate Charles Leclerc. I would agree with that. I think because that- while he is a champion of the Tifosi, the Tifosi are not all F one fans. That's true. And if we're going for the champion of the people, the people's champion, he is a champion of some people, not all. I would also argue that this week he angered a lot of Mercedes fans with some you know moves that might not have been too popular. We've talked about how you know legalistic and how he kind of weaseled his way out of that. In- Loved it. Incredibly weaseled his way out of that. And we- while it's a champion of Tim and Luke, that I don't think you win the People's Champion Correct. when you have a controversy following you. And he may have even angered some of the Tifosi with the way he was kind of slamming the door on Seb. Yeah, maybe. Um, do you? Uh, ooh, um, these next two are hard. Renault versus they the Tifosi, are, but. I think I know where I'm going to land. You tell me where you're going to land. I will tell you where I'm going to land. I'm going to say Renault over the Tifosi because the Tifosi, while it is very, very cool and it is heartening always to see it and they are the beating heart of um, Formula One, they are not all the people. That's true. to see a good midfield fight finally after all this time and to say maybe Renault coming back on song and giving us a good storyline throughout the rest of the year I'm all for it that is stuff of the people's champion to see a good fight for a prolonged period of time not just one stop in Italy because I would like to see two stops in Italy F1 make that happen Mm. I just got recertified (laughs) I will agree with that I will agree with that I want to argue did I just win twice in an episode I didn't argue for the Tifo. Okay, okay. Somebody's head, the already large head, has grown three sizes too big, Mr. Grinchhead over here. <laughs> he's Ouch. he's doing oh, Conor McGregor victory walks <laughs> all the yeah, way we, through this as I I'm knock not over go papers. Slug some poor old guy, unsuspecting guy in a bar. <laughs> God, why oh, did you compare my. me to him? All right, so I will agree. Uh, Renault is the thing that to me is the Tifosi is every year, and it's it's always there. Renault is a new, exciting story, and some people don't like the Tifosi, and some people really don't like Ferrari. I don't think there's anybody too angry at Renault right now. No. 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 So, Renault, the people's champion this year, this week. I said this year twice now. The people's champion this week, Renault. Uh, Do you have the best thing you saw all week? I do, my friend. I do. So, earlier today, you and I had kind of touched on it offline um, as it were, and I'm trying to pull it up. So earlier today on Reddit, I was just kind of tuning in to see if there had been anything, you know, right at my lunch hour or so. And I saw this weird article 
which within a few minutes, the moderators of the subreddit F1 uh, on there had jumped in and said, we haven't been able to verify this, but it essentially said that Renault didn't want to continue with a pessimistic Hulkenberg. And it heavily quotes Alain Prost, the uh, perennial champion. Well, perennial. He was a four-time world champion. Mm-hmm. He is a he's a, a perennial presence in the paddock. Um, he is uh, one of the finest champions and stewards of the sport that we have out there. You don't question Alain Prost. Is, 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 is no, the key here? Not even a little bit. Even you know he's he's one of those guys that's just a just one of those classy folks in the paddock. Uh-huh. Um, but it said it it attributed a quote that said Nico is pretty negative. He's right on certain points. However, we have to look ahead, and we can't use that negativity in a driver, especially next year, which will be very difficult. F1 subreddit uh, moderators couldn't been to credit that with anybody. And the best thing I saw all week was actually one of the moderators reached out to Alan Prost personally on Instagram, and Prost replied <laughs> and said, I, I've never said anything like that. I would never say anything like that. That is so cool that he would... Alan Prost, the the guy who you wish was your uncle, jumped he, in and said that. No, yeah, he answered his DMs. Who answers their DMs? Seriously, <laughs> like, <laughs> especially a guy of that caliber, right? So, yeah, I thought that was the coolest thing that I've seen in a long time. That that was that was a pretty pretty. Uh, How about you? Coolest thing I saw all week. Best thing I saw all week was. Uh, I think it was, I, I would say it's a hashtag for the show, John Bishi, uh at uh, Gateway Motorsports Park, pulled us aside yeah. and saying, and said, hey, NHRA is coming to town. Would you like some uh, media access and whatnot? And I was like, why, yes, sir. Yes, we would. He goes, they're private. You know, they're a private thing, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll make it happen. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, hashtag for the show, John Bishi, and we'll be at the NHRA uh, Midwest Summer Nationals, I think it, it, it's the their race at Gateway. Yep. At in two weeks, that'll be fun. Uh, this is your first drag race, right? Yes, it will be. <laughs> I'm excited. We we've we've warned uh, both me and Dylan have warned him. We're like, if you thought you could get away with no uh, no ear protection at Indy, you can't do that here. Nope. They will. We uh, I was told two or three years ago we had a rock that shot out from under a tire and broke one of the windows in the drag tower. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not what we want. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be good. Uh, and then, uh, t- what else? What else? What else do we have before we wrap up the show? One thing I did want to do was make a nomination, and with your consent, add a name to the Wall of Fame. And who would that be? Alan Prost. I would it, be. I would it, be okay. We with have that. been. We have been remiss in not nominating him to that. Todd actually mentioned it when yes, he was he here. Yes, he did, didn't he? Um, so I think we should add him to the Wall of Fame. And that's and that's great because uh, we have Nikki Lauda, Ayrton Senna, Daryl Waltrip uh, following his retirement, and uh, Charlie Whiting, of course, following his death. I think Alain Prost is easily within the realm of those four absolute legends. I agree. So Perfect. I will have an Alien Prost cutout up there next week, maybe the week after, somewhere around then. Excellent. But uh, congratulations to Alien Prost. Congratulations. You should have been there all along. Our bad. Our, yeah, our bad. You know, but, well, here's the thing is sometimes, like, we think of them as they come up in, in, in media. That's In fact, that's why um, we put Cinna up and Lauda up on the Wall of Fame is because they had passed away and it was the anniversary of Cinna's death. And we were like— 
and Charlie Whiting also died. So right, we, were we like, should celebrate Prost before he passes. Right. Uh, which it, won't be anytime soon because the guy is fit. He is. Have you seen him? He looks better than when he raced. <laughs> he, that's it's insane. He he does he does the he follows some of the Tour de France when it goes through on his bike, and I'm like, how old are you? And you're in better shape than I am. That's not fair. Actually, let's let's do a quick Google, and we will find that he is 64 years of age, what's, and he is wiping the floor with my fitness level. That's not cool. What's your favorite part of the podcast, Johnny? I like the part where Tim talked about how hot a 64-year-old dude was for a long time. He, it's a good-looking man. I mean, game recognized game. I gotta, you know, I can't, I'm not gonna throw shade. I'm comfortable enough with myself to say, you know what? That's it's a good-looking man right there. He has. He's aged. Uh, he's aged pretty well. He is aged very well. Uh, but he is. He is definitely. I've seen. I saw a bunch of uh, quotes or a bunch of uh, comments on uh, on the Formula One subreddit about that article with him and that his response. And uh, I think it was, you know, I, I chimed in and said he's that uh, cool, that chill uncle who oozes class and sets a solid bar to live up to. He like, just does. He just is. I like the quote that you Google Alien Prost age and they come up with quotes. A German team could be quite good, but maybe they're a little too convinced that they're the best. <laughs> that that kind of applies to any German team, doesn't it? Like yep. the German soccer team, the German, uh, the Mercedes. They are the Germans. They are, they are so very good. I mean, to be fair, they are really, really they good. They usually but. are. Always very, <laughs> the, the precision and their procedures. Oh, man. Uh, one more thing before we wrap it up is uh, we'd like to dedicate this episode to Chris Duncan. Dunk, uh, you treated me with nothing but respect here at the station. You made me laugh. You made me laugh even more when the FCC couldn't censor you on air. Uh, we, we, we won't forget you. Uh, Chris Duncan uh, passed away recently and... Uh, We've kept it light. We've kept it breezy because we want to celebrate his life. And, you know, Dunk was a funny dude. <laughs> Dunk was he a goof. Was, he was a goof. He, he uh, was at the helm of one of the shows where when I moved back to St. Louis, it was fun to hear him on air all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on uh, 101 ESPN here with, uh, uh, with Anthony Stalter and the turn. He was uh, he was on the turn. But before that, he was with DeMarco Farr and Randy Carricker on, on, the, on the Fast, fast Lane, lane. Yep. The, one of the original iterations. So. Um, you know, I, I always enjoyed hearing his nuanced, mm-hmm. educated takes and his, his funny <laughs> levity. He could um, he could give you both insight and then and then be like, give you a smack on the back there because there's freshies in the <laughs> there's yeah. freshies out in the locker could you, room. Uh, could, hey, Randy, could you pass me a man soda? That'd be <laughs> pass, great. Pass me a man soda. Yep. I, I I say everybody crack open a man soda tonight. Pour, pour out a man soda. For pour Dunk. out a man soda for Dunk. Dunk, Dunk is too soon. one one of the legends of Cardinal Nation. And even though you know he wasn't Stan Musial on the field, he was he was a stalwart off the field. He was very likable, very personable. He was funny and he and he was know, honest. While he was he was a pretty good ball player, he was an even better broadcaster and an even better human being. Mm-hmm. And everybody here at the station has talked about just how genuine, sweet, kind and caring he was. So the world is a little bit darker without him, but we will soldier on. Yep. All right. So without any further ado, this one was for you, Dunk. All right. He just cheers his cup, everybody. I cheers my cup, so. All right, well, that concludes the formation lap. We'll see you guys next week.
Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. <sighs> Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price $999.99. APR while supplies last. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!